As a game developer, you create exciting worlds, but are players truly connecting with your story? The right audio is essential to connecting with your players, and good or bad game audio may mean the difference between a player continuing or putting down the controller. Silent Media knows game audio, they've seen it all, they've done it all, and they would love to connect with you about your work in progress. You can book a free game audio strategy session at silentmedia.com booking. That's S-I-L-E-N media.com booking. Big thanks to them for sponsoring the show. Good evening, fans. Tim Kittrow here, the voice of NBA Jam, and you're listening to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by CodeWritePlay.com. Whoa, boom shakalaka. My mom gave birth in 1985. I was blue within a Pac Man ghost, barely alive. In the Cold War, my only blanket was Tetris. I played Rampart with Reagan Rampage, the world for breakfast. The laundry mat was my sanctuary. The arcade was my church. I thought I was grass so for even. Hey, everybody, Todd Mitchell here. Welcome back to Game Dev Breakdown. Sorry about the late show. A guest who is a good friend has rescheduled for later on. So, uh, hey, that's why I didn't name anybody, right? <laughs> and it's uh, it's no big deal. This stuff happens all the time. So I'm coming at you a little late. I've also had a couple of medical appointments. Won't get too far into it. It was all good news that came back this week. So things are looking up. Fantastic. Happy to be here with you all. It's snowing outside. It's freezing outside, but it is snowing outside. It's a beautiful weekend. I hope it's wonderful wherever you are, probably just cold. But tonight, tomorrow, this morning, all your favorite times. In this episode, we're going to talk about, uh, first of all, I want to tell you about a couple things you can check out at CodeWritePlay.com. As I promised, I'm trying to do more article content, things of that nature. And I've done a few things. I've got a sound effects and music tool roundup for you that you can check out. Hope it helps. Uh, if I've missed anything on that list, I want to hear about it because I'd love that to be just a great big super list that people can check out anytime they need something quick and a pinch. And also did a little news coverage because <laughs> the game director of Ori and the Blind Forest or uh, whatever it's called, uh, <laughs> I never played the series. Uh, they sound like fantastic games. They look great. But the director and founder of the studio, Thomas Mahler, went on a bit of a rampage on a forum reset era uh, about what he calls snake oil salesmen and the people he's <laughs> the people he called snake oil salesmen are very prominent developers and studio founders like himself and uh i covered it at the time because everybody was sort of praising it like yeah people should be calling people out in the game industry and i had a little bit of a different opinion it's not a big deal we're not going to get into it in this show because since that time he has actually walked back a lot of those comments, and that's not something he had to do, or I wouldn't have been happy. I just wanted to examine the situation as kind of a learning experience for other people, because I felt like there was enough of a conflicting narrative out there, like, yeah, this is something people should do. I don't feel that way. He, at the end, did not seem to feel that way either. Again, this is not like demanding an apology or anything like that. This is just, here's something I've observed and here's something that comes to my mind, and I want to present that in case you feel that way, or you're on the fence about it as well. Just a simple opinion piece, no problem. So, uh, again, not going to discuss that. There's big news in the game industry about patents right now. By now, you've probably heard that uh, Warner Brothers Games, WB Games for short, has patented the Nemesis system. 
that is so prominent in the Middle Earth games. So that's Shadow of Mordor and the sequel Shadow of War. They have since 2015 been trying to get a patent on this, what they call the Nemesis, ugh, the Nemesis system. And if you're not familiar, familiar with the games, if you didn't play them, basically the big sort of mini bosses and major bosses in the games are in this hierarchy they're orcs and monsters and what I'm not the biggest, I am not the biggest fantasy guy, but, um, so, so the orc bad people are, are in this big hierarchy and there is actually a cool set of features where they're consistent throughout this open world and you'll run into these people and you'll do battle with them. You'll defeat one. You might give them a permanent scar. There's some degree of learning going on. So they, they know about your style, your play style, the things you do, and they, they get in your head a little bit. I, I honestly felt that way. I was like, man, I don't like these uh, talking monster guys following me around this open world being like, yeah, last time you used your short sword. Now I'm ready for that. I'm going to kill you this time. Like, holy crap. It was pretty impressive. I was impressed by this feature set, but they felt strongly enough about it that in 2015, they started trying to patent basically the mechanics of uh, Shadow of Mordor. What happened was they put this application together. It promptly got rejected. They changed it, applied again, rejected. This went back and forth until this year, apparently. It took them, uh, I guess, the better part of six years to get this done. They finally have a patent on the Nemesis system, which I think you can look up. I didn't necessarily do that, but I've seen some of the diagrams included. Patent stuff is really complicated, so I want to be very clear I'm going to do my best to let you know the things you need to know about patents in general if you're a developer or you're involved in any product decisions, but none of this is legal advice. None of this is going to keep you safe uh, or you shouldn't count on it to keep you safe and keep you out of court <laughs> because uh, I'll be the first one to tell you I'm a legal nerd. I like this stuff. I read about it anytime I can, and I'm pretty sure I know absolutely nothing about any of it. That's just to get, because you will see some articles on CodeWrite Play about legal stuff that comes up. I just enjoy researching it, learning about it, and sometimes I enjoy sort of trying to present and uh, organize that information in a readable, helpful format, but I know nothing. I'm not a lawyer. Would have been nice, right? <laughs> but uh, instead, I am a lowly developer like uh, some of you, and I'm in great company. Very happy that way. With that in mind... We've covered the basics. Warner Bros. now has a patent on the Nemesis system. People do not like that. And for, to some extent, there are good reasons for that. But we're going to talk about what value patents could have in the game industry, how I think they would probably need to change to really be more helpful, and why they're just sort of stagnant right now. So uh, WB's been working on this. They finally got it. And one of the funny things about the application is... Several of the rejections were because the application, as they wrote it, sounded too similar to other things that existed in the game development space. Which is, to me, it's funny because patents exist for inventions. Brand new innovations that need to be protected for a while so that the inventor can recoup costs, R&D, stuff like that. And WB tried to ram this through the patent office and they're like, yeah, it's not really that new. <laughs> so so this is a non-gaming entity that checks their documentation and goes, hey, I'm not, I'm not sure you've really innovated that much at all here, which to me is hilarious. 
So they, they ran into other patents held by Square Enix. There's a mobile game called Conquer, which is spelled with two Qs, zero Es, I don't know what that is, and Webkins, which I also don't know about. But it's funny that they ran into that many patents trying to get this done. Here's another reason this is kind of funny. In 2018, this is something I covered on the site, Bethesda took aggressive legal action against Warner Brothers and also Behavior Interactive over very striking similarities between Fallout Shelter and WB's Westworld mobile game. So Behavior Interactive developed both of these games. Fallout Shelter is everywhere. You can play it on your toaster. Everybody knows about the game. I'm sure almost everybody who's even remotely interested in the Fallout universe, you've tried this by now. That makes this the funniest game possible to try and copy. And boy, that's exactly what Warner Brothers appears to have done. They contracted the developer of Fallout Shelter and said, we want to do a Westworld game. Nobody knows, obviously, what the design strategy was like. Nobody knows what WB exactly instructed them to do. It looks to this layman like, and this is just an opinion, this is just my perception of this, it looks like they intentionally contracted that developer and went, we want that game with the following changes. This is important because once this lawsuit came out, because Bethesda said, hey, you put out an identical game to ours and just plastered a couple of your own characters into it, WB goes, oh, no. I mean, I don't have the exact quotes in front of me, but they suggested that none, none of Bethesda's code was reused in Westworld's game. Now, if that was true, wouldn't it be cheaper and easier to go to a totally different developer who was not developing at that level and go... You know that Fallout Shelter? What if you could do something like that? That wouldn't necessarily get them in trouble. But what what Bethesda noticed was, this is not just similar. We have early bugs from, from our copy of the game that we found in your copy of the game. This is clearly identical under the hood. So... According, I I did, I think, two articles and a podcast about this, so I don't mean to uh, beat this into the ground, but this eventually did settle out of court, and according to an article titled Warner Bros. Bethesda Settle Lawsuit Over Westworld Mobile Game by Julia Alexander for The Verge, this is a, a very helpful article that talks about how this was resolved. It says, Bethesda and WB eventually came to an amicable agreement and settled the suit. Bethesda dismissed its claims with prejudice, meaning they can't bring this up again in the future, and both sides will pay their own legal fees. Boy, that sounds like everybody loses. This surprised me because it looked to me like a total slam dunk for Bethesda. Knowing what I knew about the two games, or even just Fallout Shelter, really, and some of the screenshots in the suit, you can look all this stuff up online if you care to, but it would have probably been in court for a long time because Lawsuits like this stay in court for a while, but I feel like Bethesda would have definitely nailed Warner Brothers for this and probably behavior also. But in that light alone, it's very interesting that just a few years earlier, Warner Brothers was so intent on protecting intellectual property and went to such painstaking efforts to do so when shortly thereafter, it seems like to me, they were creeping on somebody else's property and uh, trying to get away with it. I can't believe the denial that they did in the press. Like, it just, it strikes me as they had no idea what they were talking about, because anybody who knows anything about this stuff, most of you, I'm sure, 
it seemed very clear that they had done something very blatant, very wrong, and this kind of thing has been litigated before. If you if you are one of the people or if you've seen people on Twitter, around social media going, I can't believe that anything in a video game would be patented at all. Who allowed this? This is a terrible precedent. I understand that sentiment, but the truth is you, you just don't know that this stuff happens all the time. This stuff happens all the time. Uh, there are a bunch of patents. It's It's changed over the course of history. This used to be a lot easier to do. Patents were issued much faster than they are now. I don't know when exactly that changed, but this this is so common, it's a very lucrative area for attorneys because it requires a lot of special knowledge. You know, imagine you're an attorney and you have to basically learn software development, game development, game engines, code, what the assets are, what the laws are, what what uh, precedent has been set in the courtroom previously. You've got to know a ton of stuff. And man, they charge a ton for it. I've looked that up because at one time I was sort of researching the difference between different kinds of law and the attached salaries. This is one of the highest. So those who go to court and actually argue in the courtroom about patent law, intellectual property law, they make a killing, and they probably deserve it. There's a there's actually a website, patentarcade.com, that for, like, most of the history of the internet has been doing nothing but tracking IP law news for video games, and this isn't even the latest story on their site. That's to illustrate how common this stuff is. It's big business. There's People are suing over patents. It's happening a lot. Let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor, AppFigures. AppFigures is all about helping game makers get more downloads and revenue. You know AppFigures for analytics and app store optimization. Now AppFigures can help you track competitors, from downloads and earnings to their audience demographics and even which SDKs they use. Their competitor intelligence gives great context. Say a competitor adds a new feature or was mentioned in the news, with AppFigures, you can see if that brought in more downloads. Have a new app or game idea? AppFigures will show you how big the market is and how much you could earn. Whether you're growing your app or building a new one, AppFigures can help you reduce risk and get more downloads without a huge budget or a data science degree. It's affordable and simple. AppFigures provides guides and tutorials to take you step-by-step -step through gaining more visibility with ASO and increasing your revenue by learning from your competitors. Head to appfigures.com slash on slash gamedevbreakdown to try AppFigures for free. If you like it, use our special code GDB3030 to get 30% off for three months. Again, that's GDB3030 to get 30% off for three months. Big thank you to AppFigures for sponsoring the show. Let's go back in time to 2003. Here's one of my favorite stories about this. Crazy Taxi had been wildly popular for years when Fox Interactive came along with The Simpsons Road Rage. A lot of you have played both of those games. If you were, like, younger back then when I was or, um, you know, old enough to be in those formative years and loving those kinds of games. They were pretty fun. They were both fun games. Crazy Taxi is one of my favorite games of all time. Simpsons Road Rage was also very funny. It was one of those games with a lot of good humor in it. If you're a Simpsons fan or a driving, car, driving game fan, great. So at that time, a lot of us, especially those of us who were younger, we actually thought this was a licensed version of Crazy Taxi. That's how similar these games are. I definitely thought that. I, I absolutely thought 
This is like Crazy Taxi, The Simpsons Road Rage or something. They just don't label it that way. Turns out there was no agreement, no license, and The Simpsons Road Rage was a shameless Crazy Taxi clone. I just don't think they understood you can't really do that. Or they thought there was probably no documentation of it and they couldn't really be held accountable. Well, as it turns out, Sega had been awarded a patent in 2001 for a combination of many of the features of Crazy Taxi that make it Crazy Taxi. To name just a few, their patent included the feature that moves pedestrians out of the way so you theoretically can't hit them with your car. Uh, you probably know that's that's not right. You can totally hit them with your car. Um, the famous floating arrow over the car that points to your destination because you don't necessarily have to be on a certain road at any given time. They have that in the patent. The fact that it's a city simulation where you don't have to stay on the roads and then there are a bunch of like little variations of that. As people sort of discovered this, this will come up on social every once in a while. Somebody will go, can you believe that the floating arrow in Crazy Taxi had a patent that uh, only expired? It did finally expire in 2019, but for 20 years, that was a patented feature. And everybody goes, that's horrifying. I can't believe that. I can't believe what... The law, that what the legal system does with video games. Well, the patent is actually a lot more complicated than that. And that patent only ever was involved in a lawsuit because The Simpsons Road Rage was such a blatant ripoff of Crazy Taxi. I mean, it didn't rip off the arrow feature. It ripped off the entire design of the game. There's very little you can do in one game that you can't do in the other. So uh, the people are just yellow and cartoony in one of the games. So, so Sega absolutely brought a lawsuit about that. And there have been a lot of other driving games since then. Now, after this lawsuit, people were a lot more careful with that particular game. But there's never been another instance where this was litigated based on some individual feature that was in Crazy Taxi. It's not really that big scary thing everybody kind of pretended. But so... Fox Interactive and Sega spend about a year in mediation and eventually settle out of court. So there was no ruling. There was no precedent set. Even this was far from the beginning of video game patent history. So uh, according to Ben Judge, who was writing for Money Week at the time, the first video game patent of all time was submitted by Thomas T. Goldsmith and Essel Ray Mann for their cathode ray tube amusement device on January 25th, ready, 1947, which, uh, according to them, was the first video game ever of any kind. And uh, from what I've read, that sounds plausible, sounds right. They, they patented the very first video game. So it wasn't really a software-based thing because that game was pretty directly mechanical, so it was a little bit different. But honestly, it was just a repurposing of mechanical hardware that they already were working with. That's just to establish that since that time, many, many, many video game patents have been issued. And they do occasionally wind up uh, in legal filings. I don't think they go to court that often, as often as people are worried about when they hear about stuff like this. More often there are settlements, and most of the time someone has done something directly wrong. They've done something very obvious that should never have happened. It is often based on a misunderstanding or the assumption that they can't be held accountable, 
but I don't hear a lot about people accidentally winding up in court over patent infringement in video games. Now, again, there are experts who are blogging and reporting on this stuff all the time. You, I've presented several already. I'll present more as we go. And you check the show notes, do your own research. But quite a bit of the time, these are things like The Simpsons Road Rage, where it was like, Boom, obvious clone. You can't touch me. And then, uh, well, everyone gets jammed up in the uh, judicial system for a while. So let's talk about what you need to be aware of about patents in games. First, let's start with a little bit of philosophy. Just because everybody's in such a fervor about this on social, you can't do this. I can't believe this is allowed. We need to outlaw this. This should have never happened in the first place. I get that sentiment, but it is a little more complicated than that because a lot of the same people who are outraged and disgusted by this idea, they're also outraged and disgusted at the thought of, you know, the reality is we have a big lack of innovation in games. And that's one of the most common complaints about the modern game industry, right? Publishers make studios develop very subtle iterations on the exact same thing you played last year. They release it once, maybe twice a year. You're out more money. You're playing the exact same thing. It's not as fun on year 11. Uh, we've all heard this song many times and we all hate it. I don't know anybody who doesn't like or dislike that system. So it's, it's not that it isn't partially just a dollars and cents issue. Of course, riskier development efforts are just riskier. I mean, they, they sometimes fail and you're looking at a failed game, maybe a closed studio, something like that. But patents are actually supposed to protect innovation. They protect invention, new things. So if you create a brand new kind of video game or a brand new feature set, the idea is theoretically patents are supposed to protect you. The same people saying patents shouldn't be allowed at all would probably be very angry if they heard of an indie studio or a solo developer who came up with a brand new awesome concept for a video game and then Microsoft, you know, six months or a year later has one of their internal studios rip it off and make all the profits. You'd be very mad. We'd all be very mad. I know people at Microsoft who wouldn't admit to it, but they'd be very mad. Uh, and that's good. Like, that's we should want to protect small teams. This is the theoretical point of a patent uh we have this all over the place that's why they in that's why they exist if we didn't have this in medical science we probably would not have some of the medicine we have today uh new pills are legally protected for a set amount of time so costs and research and development can theoretically be earned back before there is some generic version of it that floods into the market and cuts into all the profits. And then, you know, the people who made this life-saving drug go out of business. Now, I'm not protecting... This is not pro, like, big pharma. This is just how this actually works. I've, I know a little bit about this. So R&D is expensive in games also. And that's why it's possible to apply for a patent in games. If there were a better system in place and they weren't assigned kind of arbitrarily and they didn't exist for so long, you might see more innovation that involved more patents in games. Now, I'm not strictly coming down in favor of this. On the other side of this coin, patents are very, they're good for innovation on the one side. On the other side, they're very bad for iteration and small improvements. Nobody likes to see a game ripped off, but a lot of us like to see an idea expanded upon and improved. 
This is where it's more than fair to say patents obstruct a certain degree of value and creativity in the industry, because it's absolutely true. Patents can go on for over 20 years, and that's way, way too long. I think they haven't been adjusted in software or video games because I don't think the patent office likes to award them in the first place. That's why it was so hard for Warner Brothers. That's why all this uh, back and forth happened. I think overall, they, they intend for this to remain somewhat stagnant and only issue these patents in the most very original of circumstances. Otherwise, they don't just want every video game designer or company to come to them and then sign off on a bunch of patents. They still do. They're still active. But overall, I think people are way too worried about this story. Again, not saying it's a perfect system, not saying it's great, but there are pros and cons to the patent system, and it could be more positive than it is. We can really bypass that, because all that should matter to you is how to apply this to your ongoing efforts, the the business that you do, the products you're a part of. I am not an expert, again, not legal advice, but common sense seems to dictate you are a lot better off focusing on your work than worrying about patents at all. You know whether or not you're trying to rip something off. Don't rip something off. If you're worried about a specific thing in one of your projects, change it. The bar to violate a patent is usually pretty high. To violate the Nemesis patent, a lot of people who commented on this seem to agree you would need to make an open world game that functioned almost one-to-one identically to Middle-earth or uh, identically to Shadow of War or the uh, or the other game in the series. Uh, patent suits seem very difficult to win. They go on for a long time. The negotiations go on for a long time. They usually stay out of court. It's It's not really in anyone's best interest to try to drum up patents and then go around catching people with like gotcha lawsuits. I don't hear about a lot of that. I don't think a lot of that happens. And even less do I hear about developers just trying to do the right thing, trying to do original creative work and getting just randomly burned by this from out in left field. I I can't I've not really been able to find any any big examples of that. And the couple of lawsuits I've seen that were over something very small like a calendar control or a date picker or something. Juries get confused. Sometimes you'll hear about a, uh, a decision in favor of somebody who holds a patent for something really tiny and arbitrary, and they'll, uh, they'll award big damages, but the other side will go straight to appeals. A judge will come in and go, no, 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 no. That's not how we're going to do it. And things, things kind of even out. So, To me, it's not this big horrifying nightmare if you're really out there trying to just do the right thing. I personally cannot imagine a situation where I would pursue a patent of my own for any reason. I guess it's not impossible. I can't imagine ever doing it. It seems to take forever now. The patent office positively does not want to do it. (laughs) That seems very clear to me. Litigation costs a fortune to pursue. When these mediations part ways, a lot of people end up having to pay their own legal fees it's not a good thing to get into. Uh, and, and patents, to me, the, the actual enforcement of them, it seems like everyone is very, very foggy on this. It seems pretty confusing, pretty intricate, legally speaking. No two experts seem to have the same opinion about the cases you read about. Like, I, I can't give specific advice here because I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, and no one else seems to either. I'm more concerned about the people who do have very strong opinions about this because I'm not convinced they're right either. 
there are, there are a few legal experts who are actually talking about this. Those are the people who, who you should seek out. But they're also very subtle and very vague with their advice about this stuff. Again, as far as I know, the devs out there trying to do, to do the right thing, not setting out to rip anybody off, they're fine virtually 100% of the time. I do routinely run into, like, Reddit's bad about this. You go to that game dev place on Reddit, and you will find people going, I am out to clone Virtua Tennis. I'm going to do it. I don't care. I might even use the same title. You see people setting out to do that stuff. That is a, I can't express what a bad idea I think that is, uh, especially to document it online. But they, they always say the same stuff, like, I'll be fine. I wouldn't lose a court case over this. I say... And I say this all the time, before you find yourself in court about something like this, you're still positively screwed if someone files against you or even threatens a lawsuit because you immediately have to go out and get a lawyer to protect you, find out what you need to do to try to, you know, firm up the future of your development efforts, protect yourself financially, your assets. You don't have to lose a court case to be ruined. Sometimes you just need to be sued in the first place. You do not want to get jammed up in that system, so don't screw around with other people's intellectual property. Beyond that, don't be afraid to do your own work. You know, continue on. Don't don't lose sleep over this, is my suggestion. If you're super duper interested in this topic or you have specific questions, do not send them to me because I'm not an expert on this. Uh, I'm happy to guess, but I'm going to be very clear it's a guess. There are great lawyers out there. If you're actually in the process of putting something out that you're worried about, you there is such a thing as finding a lawyer who knows about this stuff and going, hey, I would just like to pay for an hour of your time. They do this all the time. Uh, me and my wife have been involved in this with like real estate issues and stuff. Uh, a, a good lawyer will be happy to set aside time for you and for a small fee, you can't always expect it for free, but for a very reasonable fee that you can agree upon before time, you can ask all the questions you can fit into that lawyer's hour, and they will usually set you down, set you on the right path. You know, if it's something they can answer easily, you know, they may very well go, I would have to see all the details, all the paperwork, I'd need to look at your code. So you can't always expect this, but you can for sure consult with a lawyer very easily. And if you want to read about more of this stuff, there are some good books out there on this topic. The uh, patentarcade.com uh, site, those editors have done a, uh, a book called Legal, Legal Guide to Video Game Development, which is now on its second edition. That book, in the couple of places I looked for it, actually costs like $75. That's a hugely expensive book. I don't know if it, there's maybe an ebook version that's a little bit cheaper, but... I'm interested in reading about this kind of stuff, but I probably won't spend $75 on it uh, unless I am in the process of releasing something I'm extremely worried about. And I think 50 bucks is my limit. I would just go find a real attorney, right? <laughs> but uh, it's interesting that you have things out there like this. Again, this, this may not have ended with the hard, fast advice you were searching for, but in that case, I say, sort of shame on you. You shouldn't really be looking for legal advice from people like me. Uh, and I, I'll go ahead and say, if you hear other like podcasters and stuff giving very specific legal advice about patents, I would be very wary about that. I'd be, I'd stay very concerned, be very judicious in your podcast consumption that, that day, not to slam anybody, but not many people have the expertise you need to hear 
on this topic, uh, you'll you'll know because you'll be in a very specific business arrangement with those people. So I just found this interesting. I uh, boy, it'll be even more interesting if this ever does get litigated over the Nemesis system in the uh, in the Middle Earth series. So if anyone hears about anything like that. Uh, tap me on the shoulder, let me know, because <laughs> we'll be talking more about it. So, hey, if you enjoy the Game Dev Breakdown podcast, I would love if you would subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. That's fine by me. Hit that follow button on Spotify. That's one number I've been watching closely because it keeps going up, and that makes me feel good. So we have uh, show notes at CodeWritePlay.com. We are on Twitter at GameDevPod, at CodeWritePlay, and me, Todd Mitchell, at MechaToddzilla with one D and two L's. You can uh, find our Discord server also on CodeWritePlay.com. We'd love to have you along. It's a very chill server where we just uh, talk about what we're up to, uh, share thoughts on the news, talk topics and feedback. I'm always happy to hear those things from you, and don't hesitate to bug me. Thanks again to Silent Media for jumping on. Thanks again to App Figures for staying on and sponsoring the show. And uh, Todd Mitchell here for Game Dev Breakdown and CodeWritePlay saying take care of yourselves, and I will talk to you next time. Congratulations on your game dev breakdown, whatever that is. It sounds idiotic to me.